Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. What I what I think is very very interesting about this because I didn't know that piece of it. Um, do, okay, so far side when you guys so rigged is out. Let's we're gonna fast forward and then go go back. Rigged is out. You guys go and do the East Coast. I went on that tour with you guys. We're in we're in um, you know the East Coast in the winter, which apparently you're not you're probably not supposed to do. Um, yeah, especially we, from California. And we drove out there in that van with the tire that had the leak in it. And um, there was a point, and you were with us, as I remember, where we were driving home through Iowa. So this is your record selling out the door. You guys, um, aside from the fact that Popeye miscounted the money and then absconded with too much of the money. So we were on <laughs> limited funds coming, yeah. coming home. We're driving through Iowa and the heater broke. Yeah. And so we were literally freezing and driving. And I don't know if you remember, but we pulled off into like, I believe it was a Denny's. It was some kind of breakfast place. The place was packed. We were in there at like three in the morning. And that's when we sort of had the conversation of, what do we do? Do we stay here and 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 just get bailed out? Or do we power through because we were going to rob Hayworth because he was going to kind of put us up for a little bit, get us kind of a meal, and then we were going to continue. Um, and I just think that it's interesting because in that you, the situations are kind of similar, except the except the landscape for Far Side has changed in the sense of you have a record that is selling amazingly. And you've just done a very successful tour of the East Coast, but yet you were almost in for at least that night. Like it was, it was scary. Like I remember waking up with a blanket on my face that felt like it had water on it. I looked over and Bob looks at me and he goes, Mushnik, and he's shaking as he's holding the steering wheel. He's all, Mushnik, are you cold? And I said, yes. Are you cold? He's all, fuck yes, I'm cold. And then don't you remember that there was a leak? where the break was. Well, the way I remember it was that the, I think I, yeah, I do remember that, but I also remember that the, um, you know, you know, like you can put the, 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 the AC or the heater or whatever on recirculate. I remember that being broken so that the vent for the outside vent was always on. <laughs> and when we pulled into that Denny's or whatever, it was, it was one of those places that you see in middle America with a giant, sign that at the top it's got the temperature and it was two <laughs> two degrees and i remember thinking like they, they're missing a digit it can't be two so uh and i remember ethan 
um, was wearing, I believe at that point, he had put on every piece of clothing that he had brought. And, and he looked like the Michelin man. He was so like big. He was and, so cold. Yes. And I, <laughs> I honestly remember sitting around that table like a, like. There was, all, there really was like a sense, like, and it wasn't unwarranted. There was like a sense of dread among us. Like, we could have froze to death. Yeah. In that, in that situation. Um, I guess the roundabout way of saying is like, do you think it's all interesting that you were sort of like, it, even at the height of when Farsai was starting to experience like, like, hey, this record's selling really, really well. There was still stuff like that to contend with. Oh, I mean, we never made money. I think the only time we ever came home with with like a, a decent amount of money um, was the very last tour that we did. Um, that was with Saves the Day and um, and Fast Break and uh, Kid Dynamite. Um, and I think I came home with $800, which I think by like, you know, touring band standards is not that much. But I just thought, wow, this is, this is crazy. We never made money. Was, um, that, was that in any way um, when you came home from that tour and you had at least a little money in your pocket? Was that in any way like a way of like, like were you thinking, okay, we're going to do more of this? No, because that last tour, the only reason we made money was that um, uh, Jamie, the, the singer for Hatebreed, um, booked it. And so he had a lot of clout and he was um, I, what, he was a professional, right? Um, and so he got us good guarantees. Um, but the thing with the tour was nobody wanted to see us. Um, you know, it was it was... Saves the day was was relatively new, but but people were really into them, and they were 10, 10 years our you know our our, our junior. Were um, you guys headlining that tour? Yeah, and we kept saying to these guys, like you know, clearly the crowd is here to see you guys. It'd be nice if we could play before you, because then people would hear us. Maybe we'll sell them merchandise and you know be able to, to eat. Um, and, then, and and I just I remember they were just like oh my god no you're far side you you have to the headline what's then, that you know what's that like like um, to sort of like to be a band that inspires bands like that and then you see those bands being more popular than what you guys were at that time like because to me I was a far side guy so any other band that you guys played with you guys were the band, you know, unless it was like game face. Then it was like equal kind of, kind of, yeah. kind of thing. W what was that like? I mean, you know, especially then, cause it wasn't, you know, you guys were what just starting to tip into the thirties. Like, you know, you weren't, you weren't old. No, you guys wouldn't have even been thirties. You guys would have been like no. mid, mid 20. I was 29. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was, I want to say that was, I think that was 2000. So yeah. I would have been 29. Um, and the thing with that tour was, um, it was, it wasn't a good idea. Um, Chu, Chu was the only one 
who I think made the right decision, which was there's no point to us going on tour and having to, you know, put our lives aside and go find a new job or whatever. Um, Cause we're not going to make any money and you know, we're not, we're never going to, this is never going to be our job. Um, and I think Bob realized it, but Popeye and I were both, um, maybe not Popeye as much as me. I was in a very bad place mentally. Um, I was in the middle of getting divorced. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't have a place to live for like, you know, three months. You, me, and um, Loman almost live live together for like yeah. for literally like a few hours. Like it was, there was there was talk <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, so I I really wanted this to work because it was like the like like being a band guy was my only identity. It was the only thing I knew how to do, and so for me, like it had to work. But the you know Bob and Chu especially knew that it. It wasn't going to work. So once we got out there and we could see that people were interested in these guys, not so much in us anymore, even though we had just released what I thought was a really good record. Like that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me. It was like, we're done. And, and, and I'm done. This, this is, this is it. I remember you told me that when you were singing for Adult Crash at Coos and you and I were hanging out mm -hmm. outside after you guys had played and we were talking about Evan, I think it's over. And I was like, no, come on, no, we can do this, we can do that, this and that. And you go, no, I, I, I just think it's over. And shortly after that, I mean, you know, you guys, I think before the whole Saves the Day Fast Break thing, you guys played that show with Smash Mouth. Um, yeah. Which I, which I did find, actually. Um, so... Um, and no, it's it's interesting because I was going to ask you about the Monroe Doctrine, but um, I like my next movie. Once uh, I'm almost done with Death Toll at Four, I'm going to take a, a like just like about about a week or maybe ten days, just kind of relax, and then that Far Side thing. And I may cut this out of the out of this interview, but like I I started thinking about it, and like I have some plans for that. Just I'm st I'm going to make it free. It's going to be available on YouTube. But I'm gonna push that as much as as much as I can. I actually have some interesting ideas because, like that, you guys are in the studio the entire time, and and that's before like like there were there were like such like a cottage industry of like like studio stuff and home recording and stuff like that. And I I just think people are going to really find this interesting. I I I I mean because. I don't know that any other recordings, aside from the actual recordings themselves, I don't know that any of that exists other than what's on these tapes. So yeah. hopefully. I, I would be really, really, I, I, I really want to see it just because I think you're right. I mean, I think about like how bands do things these days and it's, I mean, it's like, a, it would be like learning a new language. Right. Like, I don't know. I mean, everybody records at home on their own stuff. I don't even know what record labels do anymore. I mean, I don't know how I would book a tour without the internet these days. Uh, I don't even know how we did it. Um, I mean, it was work. And it just seems, I'm sure it isn't, but you know, this, this, is what, this is what every old man says. 
it just seems like these guys have it really easy. Um, but it is, it's a totally different world. Well, it's interesting because back when you guys were doing this, you guys weren't doing it for money. Um, but there was never an idea that you guys would just record your music in, onto vinyl or CD and just go out and give it to people at shows. Like, oh, we were always, you were always going to sell it because that's what happened. And now it seems like, um, and again, like you said, this sounds just like two old guys talking. It seems like now the expectation is you're going to record your stuff and you're going to make it available for, for free. There's going to be the people that are going to want to have it on vinyl or in some physical physical form. But the deal is, is that you're going to do that. And that's why I think like so many bands tour and do all that stuff. Because I mean, it seems like that's where the money for them, like, like, like that's where they're able to, to hopefully survive is because they can yeah. play live and do all yeah. that. Touring and, and merchandise seems to be the only way you can make money now. I mean, we get, I get statements from Revelation on a quarterly basis, I think. Um, you know, at some point along the, the way, we, we did actually start making money off, off of the recordings. It's not much, you know. I think, I think maybe I get 200 bucks a quarter, which is, you know, hey, 200 bucks. That's great. Um, but it's not, you know, we're not Madonna. <laughs> whoever, whoever's popular these days, I don't know. Um, um. But I don't think I don't think any of it is from streaming because I don't think we ever hit the threshold or whatever for, for, to, to actually generate enough money that's that it's you know worth paying out because it's like fractions of pennies per uh, stream or whatever. It just, it seems like yeah. it seems like when you're young and you're in it the way that you guys were in it to where you weren't thinking about it. Um, and there's actually another point I wanted to ask you about too, but it, it seems like, um, you know, you do it the way that it's, that it's done. So you did it the way that it was done. Then you're now removed from it. You look at how it's done now and you're just like, in some ways it seems so much easier, but wow. In some ways it seems like, how do you even do it? Right. Yeah. The, um, I have no idea how these bands make money. I don't get it. But well, I do understand now, like, you know, like, it seems like there's more festivals than there are, like, shows or concerts. And I assume it's because that's where the money is. Um, and if you're a touring band and you're not making money off your recordings, um, why would you not play festival after festival? It's, you've got to pay your bills. You've got, you've got to put food in your mouth. Going, you know, going back to what you said about like how you, what your identity was playing in the band, this has to work. It's interesting because in some situations, the this has to work mentality, it it works. But then it yeah. seems like in a lot of situations, the, the this has to work mentality, it completely works against you. And it's almost like the more you want it, the, 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 the less of a chance you're going to have to get it. Do you think that you were more in that category of you wanted it to work so bad that it, that it just, that just at the time, considering everything that you were going through, everything that you were dealing with, the where your life was, that there was maybe no way that it could work the way that you wanted it to work. Yeah. 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 That's the thing. I mean, I, I think there, there was no way that it was going to, going to work. Um, 
it was just out of it was out of our control. It's just that things change, things progress, time moves forward. And we, you know, I was, I was fighting against time, really. Um, we had our chances to, you know, we had plenty of opportunities to, you know, push ourselves and, and record more and tour more. And we just never did it. And that eventually kind of, kind of worked against us to where, for me at least, when I got to the point where I was like, well, this is what I want to do. I want to tour nonstop and, and you know, be, be on the road and make money. Just wasn't going to happen. Gotcha. But, that, you know, that's, it's not, it turns out that's not a bad thing. I mean, you know, I had some rough years, but, you know, turned, turned out I'm, I'm capable of being a lot more than just band guy. And that's good. Like, that's really good. I never, I never looked at it that way. Like, cause you know how I always bug you, Kevin, why aren't you playing music? Kevin, it's a crime that you're not playing music. Kevin, you need to be playing your music. I remember like I, you and I used to email and you write me back. My guitar is under my bed and there's strings missing from it. I haven't touched it in, in months. Um, but it's, but it's interesting because it's, 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 it's actually, I don't want to say good just because I think it would have been good. I think either way, what happened is good. But I think the fact that you realize, like what you just said, you're you're way more than the guitarist of any band, and the fact that you now know that is, a, you know, I think a very special thing. It's you know, it's it's really weird, I think, to other people, but but not so much to me that that I don't talk about, um, like the people I work with. No idea that, that that I was ever in a band, and I I, I actually try and hide it. Um, when I was living um, when I was living overseas, I was I was the manager of a, a group of people, like thirty people, and they were from thirty different countries. Um, it was it was so cool. But at some point, somebody figured out, oh, Kevin was in a band, um, and they found the video. I think for audience. And it was just like like they were stunned, and, and but I remember being very um, embarrassed, and like I didn't, you know, they asked me questions. I was like, I don't really want to talk about this. And I've come to realize that I look back at, um, and this is very dramatic, but 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 I look back at um, like the '90s, almost as if I had been in kind of a cult. Or, or like a very, um, a very uh, strict dogmatic religion, um, where you know there's saviors and icons, and there's rules, and there's commandments, and there's dogma that you follow, and there's uniforms, and all of this stuff that all sort of makes up the scene. Um, and I, for the longest time, I had no idea that the outside world existed. The outside world to me was like the normal people. They're bad. And so, you know, I was sheltered within this, this, this group of weirdos that, that, you know, formed the scene. And eventually um, I left it slash kind of got forced out. And the outside world wasn't so bad. Um, What's interesting about all that is to the outside person being your friend, 
you, there was all that, and you were involved, you were, you were amidst all that, but you were always pushing up against those cathedrals. You were always pushing up against those cathedrals. Like, I remember, even just in a small way, like when you played, when Trigger Man, when you were in Trigger Man, and you played with Civ, and you came on stage to play drums wearing an SSD shirt, because in my mind, well, the logo of SSD, it's, it was similar to the Civ <laughs> logo. Yeah. And then... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure it was intentional. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I just... It's interesting that you say that, because I never thought about it at the time, but... It is interesting to hear you say that even as you're pushing back, you were aware that you were sort of following the cathedrals of, you don't want to sell out. We don't want to play music for the people that picked on us. You know, we don't want our audience to become the audience that we made the music that we were trying to get away from. It's, it's, and, and, but my thing is, is I think it's hard to explain. Like, even though, you know, you say, Hey, you know, the real world isn't so bad. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I think that once you've been in this scene, you will always have a strain of kind of looking at things, certain cathedrals on all sides with kind of a, hmm, okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if that's real or, you know, like, you know, I don't know what the... I think it is, but, but I, what I've come to learn is that that, um, so like coming from like the punk rock scene, I, I learned to distrust authority. Um, I personally, um, uh, became very down on religion. Um, I became very left wing, um, uh, fairly politically active, but that I, all of which I used to associate with like punk. You know, that was like crass and conflict and and icons of filth and all that sort of stuff. And now I know that, you know, I have friends that feel the exact same way that have never heard of any of this, this, this world that I come from. It's just completely alien. You know, they, they like Miley Cyrus and Miley's great. She's catchy or whatever, but you know, I'm also, uh, you know, a, a, a democratic socialist. Um, were you always, even before punk, were you always fairly left? Yeah. Yeah, it's and I don't know why.